This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open. Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Welcome to a jam-packed episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I am Don Banks. It is week one. I am joined by Nick Stevens. We have finally made it to the promised land, Nick, but we have so much to cover this week. Uh, We are almost going to forget about the games. Do you feel like all of the national news, all the football news, everything that's going on now is actually upstaging one of our three favorite days on the sports and football calendar? I maintain, Nick, that almost three out of the last four years, the games themselves seemingly early in the season have been overshadowed by other events. I vividly remember, obviously, in 2014, the Ray Rice saga broke uh, the Monday after week one and just engulfed uh, the next week or two, and the games felt like this distant sideshow. And that right. is, that's crazy. Now, clearly, Hurricane Irma um, is really on the f- everyone's uh, forefront, forefront of their brains because it's going to impact just thousands upon thousands of people if, indeed, it hits the mainland. Um, the tracks are all aiming kind of for Florida. But it's going to impact the NFL schedule. And so week one already has been impacted. The Tampa Bay at Miami game has now officially been moved to week 11 when both teams have their bye. And it should also be noted that we're dealing with a preseason that was in parts truncated and affected with schedules altered and games moved and then canceled because of another storm. And there's another major NFL market that is still suffering. And you've got football players playing the part of superheroes and trying to lead the cause and resuscitate a city that's still technically trying to pump out from the water. And now we're looking at another top 10 NFL market that could be absolutely devastated by a storm. And you want to sort of play the, yeah, but football helps us rally together and, you know, stronger together card. But at the same time, I just, I want to embrace football as, as, as heartily as we do on a regular basis. But you're also just completely concerned for the fact that like, an area of the country we love might not be the same five days from now. Yeah, and it could be, you know, if it hits the East Coast, it obviously could be the Miami-South Florida market. If it hits the West Coast of Florida, Tampa Bay. I grew up in St. Petersburg. That is very much in play as well. I have friends evacuating out of of, uh, the Naples area uh, as we speak. But this this is clearly nothing, you know, uh, to play with. It's a Category 5. It's obviously doing massive damage right now uh, as it bears down, I think, on Puerto Rico. Uh, and some of the islands just to the east. And so the NFL, I think, give them credit, I think they got this right. I did not see it being fair to the Dolphins to move the game um, to a neutral site as they were talking. New Orleans came into play. Charlotte, I heard. Um, The Dolphins already are down a home game with a game in London this year. So to put them down to six home games, that's a competitive disadvantage. And I understand that moving it, there was no perfect solution here. There was a best of bad choices. And moving it to week 11 
yes, the two teams now are disadvantaged in that they play 16 consecutive weeks, not to mention having this long lag time at the beginning. I would remind people that's not historic in that from 78, when the league went to the 16-game schedule, all the way till 1990, teams played 16 consecutive. However, not everyone's doing it this year, only the Dolphins and Bucks. All right, cooler heads prevailed and people realized, whoa, this is pretty violent. This is this this combative game. Maybe we should give them like a week off just to sort of like try to heal up a bit or just like rest and lick the wounds. It, it's not unprecedented, but at the same time, it is supremely unenviable on that same front. What Good. else was unenviable was the idea of displacing these two teams and sending them to New Orleans or maybe Philadelphia or uh, Pittsburgh, perhaps, right. I believe they'd mentioned. Now you you send everyone up there, and it's not just a bunch of coaches and two sets of 53 players. You're moving hundreds and hundreds of people, not to mention their families. Well, now, What if they get stuck up there? What if you're leaving their families here yeah, or what in, if they in leave South the, Florida? And, oh, let me go concentrate on the game right. while I'm wondering if my family's okay in, not, in the lack of a storm bunker we have because Florida's at sea level. There was no good choices here. No. And, but what I do you do with th- the revenue share? and how you know, Yeah, I, I do think game? it's worse to take a game and then drop it into a market that cares nothing about the game while you're taking those players and all those coaches and their families uh, are back in South Florida and back in Tampa and, and, and worrying, frankly, if they're going to have to evacuate. So, yes, it, it, is, it is a tough call and a tough pill for the Dolphins and Bucks to face 16 consecutive weeks and both have playoff hopes, so they hope it goes longer. But I just think that you know that you file that under uh, life sucks sometimes, and you you got to get through it. Um, this this was a decision made for the greater good. It it's it's kind of a talk about the definition of it is what it is. Like yeah. They just what what other with all the options on the table, this was the best of a lot of worst case scenarios. Now the other topic that was on everyone's mind last night, Nick, and this is not in every NFL market, but the Ezekiel Elliott story again is overshadowing this weekend's games to a degree. Now, um, what happened last night was, in essence, um, the the hearing in federal court uh, to determine whether he can get an injunction against the six-game suspension was conducted. The league admitted um, that they made the arbitration hearing decision of the appeal too late, that Elliott can play this week. Um, and, and, and upheld the six-game suspension, Harold Henderson, the uh, ar- arbiter. And now we have that decision coming down on Friday from the federal court judge who's going to hear um, whether that, that six-game suspension should stand yep. and be served in weeks two through seven. Now, obviously, the league has countersued trying to have the whole um, – Elliott litigation absolved as well. So this is kind of where we thought it was going to go, back to court. But the big winner here is pretty clear, Sunday Night Football on NBC. I was going to say, if we had to pick a a medal stand of the big winners, it's Sunday Night Football because they're going to get the storyline in the circus surrounding Zeke playing a game, possibly even more. And then disappearing for Likely playing one game and then having to disappear for a month and a half of football. Then the the winner is uh, Article 46. And then right. power uh, of the commissioner, power of the commissioner. And then I would say probably anyone who uh, spent a first round draft pick in fantasy football on Zeke because they get him for one game and they'll try to brag about that in the opening week. That aside, it's if this is about 10 percent, I would say, as dominant or prevalent in the media as the Brady deflategate scandal was, because that was national, if not international news. If the rest of the country was 10 times 
as over or sick of Tom Brady as we are of Zeke Elliott. Wow, do I sympathize with everyone? Because I'm I'm tired of hearing about Zeke Elliott. Really? Yeah. Oh God. I mean, this just I'm over. I'm just I'm completely over this. Enough is enough. And like I said, Brady was ten times worse. No wonder why the rest of the country was just like enough. Either just free him, exonerate him, suspend him, whatever. But well, this people all- are over the NFL's non-field related news. I, look, I hate stories like this. Let's Ugh. let's not lose perspective. This is domestic violence we're talking about that's been alleged. Um, and I don't seek to diminish what's been alleged in this. What case. I'm saying is, you know, ball deflation, whether it happened or didn't happen, just doesn't come anywhere close oh. to the ramifications, which is why I always said if something happened, it was a misdemeanor, 25,000, next case, move on, right. move along. But um, in this case, you know, there we have another story where, again, and I did my bank shot video a couple weeks ago and said, NFL? I hope you did it right this time. I hope you got it right, because otherwise this thing is going to be a collision of litigation mm-hmm. where nobody wins again, where the where the union and the players uh, get, you know, understandably upset at the commissioner's office, and then it does nothing but sow distrust between those two sides and moves us a little bit closer to the uh, the next Armageddon of the CBA. Yeah, we got it. We have we have enough to be concerned about, like legitimate real life matters. See. You know, Texas, right. comma, Houston, see Florida, Florida, comma, Miami, uh, that, that dealing with this now, if that's if that's what's been alleged, render the verdict, walk away, be done with it. I can't believe that they're going to fight it so tooth and nail and that it's now not, there's no possibility of reject, reduction. It's six or it's zero. Pretty extreme. I see. And for my money, I think the reading the tea leaves from last night, I think the judge was sympathetic to Elliot's case. I think by Friday we could have him striking down the suspension or giving the injunction, and then you're going to have the league going back to court. So then he's playing indefinitely until the league, who has who has filed in New York court, not Texas court, try, trying to find home home field advantage as they did in the Brady case, right. uh, and then we're in for another round of litigation. So this whole thing, I think, is headed for limbo for a while with Elliott on the field, if I read the tea leaves correctly. I think, I think he very well is going to get back on the field as well. He needs to find his. Uh, what was the name of the judge who freed Brady in the first place? Berman. He, oh, Judge Berman, of course. Yeah, right. sorry, that name alludes. You just should too, have so a tattooed on you. I, I, listen, I named my uh, second kid Judge Berman. Just be after him as well. Catchy. Then, of course, I had to rescind it. So catchy. Yeah, it was catchy. Well, um, so there's all that going on, and then you know, obviously, the, the season kicks off right here at Gillette Stadium Thursday night. Uh, in a game that we've been talking about and anticipating now for three or four months. Um, so I, I hate that the games get overshadowed, but it seems like that is where we are at in, uh, in today's NFL. Uh, and and we're, we, we'd be remiss if we also didn't say what, what a show it's supposed to be in Foxborough come Thursday night, and also a little bit of a circus that follows in as well. And let's just hope that any sort of um, off-field... Hoot, hoot nanny is all for laughter and levity's sake but then come game time we're only we're if, just pl- we're if, just watching him play football if you didn't get that listeners he's referring to Roger Goodell coming back see i think a good bit of it was blunted by the fact that he was here for the preseason opener i think that's only cranked up the hyperbole you i think really that do? actually has aggravated the who i refer to as the foxborough fanimals oh they think that he's Patriots fans, and I think actually even a lot of other fan bases think him swooping into Foxborough, grabbing that quick picture with a couple people, NFL PR, tweeting it out, 
was a was a, a almost an underhanded little way of him trying to show that everything's good. Right. Hey, see, we're all good. Well, guys. clearly that's what we they were pro- doing. I mean, yes. let's let's be honest. It was yeah. They were trying to say didn't work. We are going preemptive, mm-hmm. and we are taking the steam out of the season opener by showing up. So it will be the second time, not the first time. It will blunt some of the venom. Uh, look, I don't discount. Have the you fact. met a New Englander before, Don? <laughs> I don't discount that there'll be plenty of venom. Uh, I do. I just think it's time to move on to oh, a degree. Sorry, I, I, I agree. But tomorrow night it's going to be Fury Road on the way here. That said, once that's, that's why I just want once kickoff, everyone with the shirts and the towels, wave them, say your where, where's your where's Roger chance. But then let's just concentrate on the game. It's a great matchup. It should be a great season. And back to what we said first at the opening of the show. Boy, if we ever needed football more than ever, let's just con- let's just all try to enjoy a game together. Yeah, well, let's talk football a little bit with Tony Romo. Last week, CBS obviously trotted out their Rookie of the Year in the announcer broadcast team booth. Um, he's with Jim Nance, the former Cowboys quarterback, was made available as part of CBS's NFL Media Access Day. I took the train down to New York City. Uh, in an effort to get a few minutes with Tony, which proved to be somewhat difficult, a large room, a lot of reporters kind of sitting around ballroom tables trying to squeeze in questions. But I was able to get him for a few minutes, um, and I asked Tony Romo a, a number of questions uh, about the AFC this year. Uh, he talked some New England Patriots. So without further ado, we're going to have Tony Romo, brand-new CBS NFL analyst, on the Cover 2 podcast. I just wondered if Dak does have to play without Zeke for six weeks, what's your comfort level that the focus the offense can shift on to his shoulders and he'll step up and fill the void or help? Yeah, the offense won't shift. It'll stay the same offense. What you'll find is that uh, they have two very capable backups. Obviously, Zeke is a special player, but they're, they're set up to succeed. At that position, their depth is really pretty good. At a different position, it would hurt them more. But um, you know, Dax, you know, played great last year. He's going to have a big season this year. They're going to be fine, you know, in this stretch. After being an NFC base player your whole career, now you're immersed in the AFC. When you look at it realistically, and given some of the setbacks, the AFC contenders like can't get Indy can't get luck on the field. Yeah. Miami lost their starting quarterback, had to go to Jay. Uh, Flacco's not on the field in Baltimore. Um, what's your realistic expectation for a legitimate challenge to New England this year for supremacy? Yeah, there, it's going to be difficult. At the same time, the Edelman loss is big. It's. Uh, I think Tom knows how big that is. That's his security blanket. He, he knows what Julian's going to do based on coverage, leverage, situation. Security blanket, in other words. Yeah, I said that. And uh, that's that's where he goes in tight situations. And I feel like uh, when you lose a guy like that, you got to overcome it. Now, they're good enough to, and Tom's good enough to, and Belichick is. But it won't be quite as systematic and easy as it was. Um, I do feel like there's only a few teams, though, that'll really, you know, you got to have a pass rush and you got to have a quarterback. Or you got to have somebody who's Von Miller-like. So it'll be interesting to see. When you um, when you think of a quarterback who hasn't stepped on the field yet, in like Luck and Flacco, and the idea that they might be coming back for Week One or Week Two, how difficult is it to overcome no preseason whatsoever 
imagine what that challenge is like. It's harder to skip preseason and training camp and come back and play good in week one than it is to do what Tom did last year, which, you know, when you're out four games, but you get all the reps of training camp. There's so many subtlety and nuance to training camp. You know, there's so many different coverages you see, so many different situations you go over that you get to build that offense and get the little details down with your team. When you just go play in a game, you're just executing the play and you're all trying to make that thing work, where when you're in practice, you're moving them down to the split, you're changing this, you're doing You don't do that in the game. So if you skip training camp in the preseason, I feel like that's much, it's much more difficult to be good week one than as if you came back being hurt for three games in the middle of the year. Given the symmetry between your own offseason and Cutler's, and then, of course, how things change for Jay, what are your impressions of what you've seen so far out of Jay Cutler in Miami and, and expectation for, for the Dolphins and whether they can not miss a beat? I think they'll be successful. I think, I think Jay knows that system. I think he's coming in. It's not a random system. You know, he's been in. He played well under Gase before. I think Adam Gase is one of the, you know, top play callers in the National Football League. He'll put him in good situation. It's really going to be about their defense. If their defense takes a shift and plays well, then uh, that team will be formidable. If they don't, you know, then they'll probably stay where they. Last, last question. Any scenario a Cutler-esque comeback could be on your radar screen at any point in the 2017 season? <laughs> if the scenario presented itself. I don't think you, you never say never, but uh, like I said, I feel great about where I'm at. Thank you, Tony. All right. I'm going to go preemptive here. I hope you guys all caught that faux pas that I had in the middle of that Tony Romo interview. And I'll say this, Nick, I've done thousands of interviews in my career, and every once in a while you get caught in your own mind looking ahead and formulating your next question. If you missed it, I got schooled there by Mr. That's Romo. his security blanket. He knows what Julian's going to do based on coverage, leverage, situation. Security blanket, in other words. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> I said that. <laughs> yeah, I said that. I'm sorry, Don. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've done thousands of interviews in your life. Oh, wait a sec. That's what you said. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I get what he did. Wow. Security blanket. I, said that. Yeah, I said that. I said that, Nick. That yeah, is that. one of the best awkward, oh, my bad moments yeah. I've heard in a long time. Now, you said with it came the the thousand-yard stare from your mom that every kid knows if, and never wants to see. You got the stink, you got the Romo stink eye. If you did not hear enough ice in his voice, I promise it was in his stare. He turned his head, stopped, looked at me, and said, "Yeah, I yeah, said, I said that. that." You know, it's weird, Don, because uh, you repeated what he said in for a change. Romo uh, intercepted you. Exactly. Exactly. And that that's, was. I apologize, everybody. That and, was a you cheap know, joke. I mean, for a guy. I, for a guy who once cost the Cowboys a playoff game by flopping. An extra point snap, right? Or a field goal snap? I forget which. It was short in 2006. Yeah, sending Bill Parcells, sending Bill Parcells into retirement. I would th I thought he would be more gracious when I made my flub. Well, actually, this dovetails into the question that I wanted to ask overall. Did you hear any rumblings from both your media circles preemptively, and then when you were down in New York, about word that leaked out that during his auditions and during his test games that Romo was. Too critical. Too critical. Yeah. I, I, I'm shocked. Now, as a fan, that's what I want to see. 
because, Absolutely. you know, the Phil Sims Jim, we talked about the fact that earlier today we talked about it. Like, I, 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 it was a little boring. I, the fact that Romo's going to be coming in land, like hot, hot on the runway yeah. with fresh player perspective and that he feels comfortable enough, whether it's because he's got the relationships or maybe this is a side of Tony Romo we didn't know that he's going to come in and be critical. Well, I dig on that because when you mix that with hello friends, when you when the you masters, when you mix that a tradition with, like none other, when you mix that with the you know the cottage there, well, first amen of all, corner. I think it's going to be fun. First of all, Nick, I can't wait till David Price hears what you just said uh, because you're in so much trouble with number twenty four. Oh yeah, you think Bill Belichick would let <laughs> Price talk to Eck that way? I love Dennis Eckersley for all the reasons you just enunciated. Of course. But Romo came out and admitted himself that they told him, you don't have to be critical all the time. I think he felt in a novice's sort of way mm. that I better bring my A game and show them I'm not a, a cheerleader. So right. he'll calibrate, he'll calibrate, and he'll go steer back to the middle. But the, the great thing for the listener is even if he calibrates, uh, he'll still be probably considerably to the left or the right, depending on your perspective, of where the typical ex-jock who hits the booth and doesn't want to offend anyone uh, starts their career out as. I, I already heard good inside-the-huddle information. Really? Because I heard just chiding and, and no. nothing but... <laughs> no, actually, it was that's a good be- interview. That's, that's because your, your wrist still stings from where he wrapped you on, across it. Who knew he had a ruler? I just didn't see it when yeah, he Yeah, he's like the down. penguin in Blues Brothers. He really got you good, huh? <laughs> it, was, it was. You know what? I almost, almost had him breaking news there with that last question about would he consider a Cutler-esque... Uh, oh, and return also, out of and at the end of the interview too, I got to say that he ha- he's he's got his interview, he's got his out of booth professional athlete interview game on point because you asked him that question and he gave you the quintessential like, ah, here's a fake laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nailed he did. It. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> no, not that one. Well, at, you know, Kevin Collins, our, our crack producer, said he thought he already had a little Boomer Esiason in his voice. Like his, Sounds good. Yeah, he does. He a sounds gravelly good. Yeah. tone to it. Well, right. it wasn't too early in the morning. It was actually midday. But anyway, that was Tony Romo from uh, CBS NFL Media Day last Wednesday Can we officially call him friend of the pod? Uh, I think we can. I think he'll be uh, eager to return to the Cover 2 podcast now that uh, he knows he was. he made a huge first impression on, on our listeners by uh, by tooling on me. Yeah, so I, said, I, said I deserve that. that. <laughs> I totally deserve that. I got caught looking ahead to my next question. I knew I had heard the phrase security blanket for Brady uh, at some point. So uh, our next interview is going to be with Bill Cower, obviously a longtime CBS NFL studio analyst, not a game analyst. But I wanted to run some of the same uh, questions by uh, I refuse to call him Coach Cower because he hasn't coached in a long, long time. But it's yeah, Bill. Yeah, where Cower. do we get it? Where do we get into that? By the way, we need to kind of like, for, like, when do you call somebody coach? When yeah. do you call them? I was in box. I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago for the Mayweather McGregor thing, and the fighters that come through, everyone calls them champ. You know, whether we, they've won or not, and we can't all be champs. I mean, yeah, can we? All, are we all champ? When do you call someone chef? When do you call someone coach? Just because you cook, are you chef? Right. I, I figure a guy like you would probably have some clear takes on I, this. I don't like to call anybody coach who's not coaching, for one. Although, I guess John Madden still gets called coach quite If a anyone bit. should. Yeah. Madden and Belichick. Like, they're emeritus. Right. Uh, coach emeritus. If but, you've got a bust. Yeah. They still call Cower coach, and I don't know. I guess that's his role, but... He's going to get the kick out. Boom, right there. There you go, Johnny. 
But anyway, Cower, um, you know, you made a good point. Cower and Gruden are the two names you keep hearing. I, If I'm a team, I don't want either one of those guys. They're rusty. They're out of it. They've been relaxed for far too long. Their intensity, I'm sorry, is gone or diminished. Uh, and they, to be honest, they they both won their ring, and and they'll forever have that. But I don't think they were. I don't think they were top-notch coaches, either one of them. Well, you you are to me from the outside. You got the triple L down. Your legend, your lore. You uh, you know you've got legacy. Yeah. At this point now, I was waiting for that. Why would you? Why would you want to? I came up with it on the fly. It was a, it was a quick take. Uh, why would you want to run the risk of selling any of those three in a? I don't know. Let's say Spur, uh, actually it happened to the same professional football team, Spurrier or. Gibbs part do right. with the Washington football team with the Redskins. Why right. would you do that? Because they the game had passed them by. They weren't ready for the workload. I hate to say it, but the game is now more in the hands of uh, I don't want to call them esports coaches, but you kind of you. It's more about the Gases and the McVeighs now than it is the Gibbs, the Cowers, or the Grudens. Okay, we're going to welcome Bill Cower to the Cover Two podcast via tape last week from the CBS NFL Media Access. The AFC's had a tough August. You look, like Tannehill goes down, Flacco and Luck still aren't on the field. Denver really wanted Lynch to win the job. They're going to go back to Simeon, whose ceiling isn't as high. So it's not been, I mean, yes, I know Oakland, Pittsburgh, and, and they had Bell holding out. Uh, Pittsburgh, Oakland, and Tennessee all have legitimate right to say we can challenge the king in New England. But do you see it's going to be difficult for somebody to legitimately climb Mount New England and, and get to their level after this August? Well, I, th I think, which I think is great about the National Football League, Don, honestly, we sit here today and we talk about, yeah, no one's going to be him. But we don't we, know. We don't know because we just lost Julian Edelman. Can they take another hit? What about offensive line? What about the quarterback who's 40? Can he put 16 games in? Um, you know, and all of a sudden another team comes up and all of a sudden they find a way of beating him. And, you know, I think that the storylines of Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, I mean, these two guys are coming to playoff teams with their first-run quarterbacks. I mean, they're going to start a second. They both could be starting. And so they may, you know, there's a new era out there. Can they overcome New England? I don't know, but... That's why I love the National Football League because we just still don't know. And I, it's going to be hard. They got a lot of weapons. Brandon Cooks can take a lot of the same things. Hogan comes out of nowhere last year to, to get us. So they got depth a lot of places. Yeah, and Bill does a great job with that. But there's still that intangible that's in there somewhere in there because I think Pittsburgh is very, very good. I think that, you know, um, you look at Tennessee and Houston, I think they're the really queen of that. Can luck play, I know. But that AFC West, too. I mean, I think, you know, again, you look at Kansas City, um, you know, I know one thing. I mean, I think Andy got back the home, the homes because I think you know he maybe maybe he sees a ceiling in Alex Smith. Yeah. That ceiling doesn't take him beyond New England. Right. Maybe this young kid is that guy. So I don't know if it's this year. What does Oakland Raiders do with a healthy Derek Carr? I mean, and did Houston show a little bit of something last year in that playoff game, which was you know? Had him beat for half. Really, they sure did without a quarterback. Yeah. You know, so you know, maybe it is Deshaun Watson. So it's you know, there's. 
know, that's great. I, when I look at Indy and Baltimore, what would you be like, as honest as you can be, if your quarterback hadn't played a snap yet and you were still hoping week one to have him? What would your stomach lining be like at this point? Um, I'll, I'll be okay with it. I mean, honestly, really? you know, Joe Flacco, Joe knows that offense. Joe's been in this league a long time. He's, but I mean from the physical element of yeah, it. Yeah, but you know what? How much do these guys really play? We saw Peyton Manning how many years not even take a snap. I mean, I know Ben took like he took like one series, and he's you know. And so, but they were in practice. They were getting right. Work and that, that, and that's the biggest thing right now. I mean, that's where he's at. This is this is the hand you're dealt. You know, I know the year when we came back when Ben lost his uh, had the accident. You know, we started the season with Charlie Batch. Um, ben really didn't take many practices. You know, you know, I mean, he started practicing near the end of training camp and near the end of fourth preseason game. My concern is he still hasn't taken a hit either. So you're gonna have to go through that little bit of anxiety. And so will, so will Joe Flacco is taking their first hit. Yeah. You know, so at some point that you have to work through that. And I think, you know, again, you know, I think he, he has to feel comfortable. I wouldn't rush it. I wouldn't rush Andrew Luck. If I'm the head coaches right now, my most important thing is I want that quarterback chomping at the bit to get back in there. I don't want him to feel like I'm rushing him. Because these are the faces of my franchise. I want them to be comfortable and at that point we'll then work into how much more we, we want to do with him as he starts to become more confident and relieves the anxieties that go with these injuries. All right, that was Bill Cower, uh, CBS studio analyst, giving us a little insight on the AFC this year. Um, it is now, what, what are we at, T-minus 30 hours till uh, kickoff of the NFL just, regular just season? Just over, not not even a day and a half. And I, I, I appreciate, as as we make way to this portion of the podcast, Coach Cower being able to, not just being all Pittsburgh-centric. No, he's no. been gone now. He's been gone, but it's, in his, but it's in his heart. I mean, you, you, you know... You know where every where every yes. former coach and player's bread is buttered and what, what fan base they align with. Absolutely, yeah. I think he does a pretty good job, actually. I mean, um, in some ways, I, I think he struggled at the beginning because he was too one-trick pony, but I think he's broadened his game. Speaking of games, it is time for you and I to go on the record and put our 2017 NFL predictions on the podcast and live with the results and also hopefully spur a little... Uh, Listener interaction, mm-hmm. a little feedback, a little you totaled please d bags. I can't. What are well, you thinking? Wow, you just went from zero to d bag. Yeah, I, I I look forward to listeners hopefully keeping tabs, tweeting at us and letting us know what they think about our cover two pod predictions. Of course, that's at Don Banks. I'm at Ahoy Nick Stevens. You, you understood. They're saying we are yes. the d bags. Oh, of course. Case, yeah. Oh no no. Yeah, I, what are you I, thinking, d bags? Yeah. I full well. Okay. I full well. Wake up and li- well. I live with that every day. That's I'm the scarlet letter D. I understand that. All right. So here's how we're going to do this. I wrote my uh, predictions column on Patriots.com, which posted yesterday afternoon. I went division by division, team by team, put them in the order. We're not going to take quite that much time. We're also picking out the playoffs briefly and individual awards. Nick, here's how we're going to do. It. We're going to hit a division. I'm going to tell you who I have winning. Mm-hmm. And if anyone else in that division is going to the playoffs, you tell me the same. And just like all of the popular he said, then he said sports argument shows, I'm going to disagree, I'm going to raise my voice, and then I'm going to potentially insult you and your family. Thanks, Skip. All right, AFC East. Uh, this one not going to take long. I have the New England Patriots advancing. The rest of the division took a bye this year. Listen, you cannot spell Jets without jest, and that's exactly what I'm going to do this in. Anybody else make the— no. Okay. The so, all, they, uh, Miami made the playoffs last year. I think they lose. I think they lose now, especially because their schedule got interrupted as well. I think with the London travel and everything else, they take one small or two games back. Yeah. And 
you know, hey, look, they're, they're building towards 2018. The Bills are building towards 2019. And then, hey, listen, the Jets, the flavor's on the bottom. <laughs> I did not have the fish making the playoffs with Tannehill healthy, nope. so I'm not putting them there with uh, Jay Cutler. And I think 8-8 eight eight is probably about right. AFC North, I really debated over this because I'm kind of in Baltimore's camp. But I went with Pittsburgh. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think 10 or 11 wins is going to get it done. I have the Steelers, and I have Baltimore as my number six wild card pick. I think that defense is very legitimate, and I think they're going to get just enough barely offense to squeak out nine or ten wins. I think they're going to get barely just not enough offense. I can't trust Perriman. He's an injury waiting to happen. Anytime you make way through the preseason – with a gunslinging quarterback that has back hit, back and shoulder issues, when you, I have to see Ryan Mallett that often, I mean he's no Scott Tolzien, but at the same time he's still Ryan Mallett. I don't trust the situation. Their backfield is a mess. Yeah, uh, they lost Kenneth Dixon. Terrence West is uh, starter by default. They got Danny Woodhead. He's already banged up. No, uh, you're not buying the Ravens. Not, not enough offense. I only have right. one team making the playoffs. If anything, the Bengals would be my pick for a surprise finish seventh, maybe make their way to six. I have the Steelers winning 12 games, the number two seed. Okay. All right. AFC South, I think we're going to agree about this one. I have the Tennessee Titans. I believe it's their time. I think they have a really nice foundation built between the two tackles, the quarterback, the running game they rely on, and now an improved receiving game, Eric Decker, Corey Davis. I think the Titans are now going to win this division rather comfortably. And one of the top five most underrated wide receivers in Rashard Matthews. And one of the top five most underrated tight ends in Delaney Walker. And that dual threat backfield, you've got you've got Murray and then you've got Murray Jr. in Derrick Henry, who I think is a star waiting to blossom. I have them as the wildcard team. I think they take over next year. This is their first trip to the playoffs. I think the Texans really? win the division. That defense... Uh, the diamond front that we've all read about and heard about recently, I think that if they can keep the Watt merciless clowny front intact with Cushing in the rear and a decent secondary, I think they actually make it tougher for uh, the other teams that are going to provide the offensive spark in the AFC to score. I think they sneak it out. 11 you're, wins. And you're going to be okay with a Savage offense in, in Houston, a Tom Savage-led offense. Listen, he's not Brock Osweiler, and that's good for at least one more win to me. And, and several more lines to come. All right, I'm not buying Houston. I think they're 9-7 and seven again. Okay. I just don't think 9-7 and seven is going to get it done this year. I think Tennessee is going to win 10 or 11, um, and that is a very bad division once again. Titans is the five seed. Okay, AFC West. Um, I love me some Raiders. I have loved me some Raiders for a couple years. I was talking for a story I'm working on, uh, actually for a story I wrote this week on the Raiders and a little echo of history of their 1980 season. Um, I talked to Matt Millen, and he, he calls their preseason games, and he said, he said Marshawn Lynch is going to be an absolute game changer for that team, the tip of the spear, a, a tough, tenacious type um, that is going to do wonders for that I guess the resiliency level of the entire locker room. I have Oakland winning that division. I have Kansas City as a wild card. Mm -hmm. I have Denver and the Chargers not making the cut. The Chargers were a team that I read enough about in the offseason. People saying, like, here's your surprise AFC team. All over the map. I've never read such a widespread and almost— I agree. The disparaging level, like— Somebody says they can go four and twelve. Someone else says six and ten. Other people say ten and six. 
I can't. What am I, what am I missing? I don't know either, and I've looked over at, before I wrote yesterday, and I'm like, what am I missing about the Chargers? One, sorry, but Phillip Rivers will generally lose you his biggest games. He'll play well. But he'll he'll find a way to throw that crushing pick. He's, he's a QB one, but there were two games last year where he just and two the Chargers as many picks just as he has kids. I mean, all right, maybe Anthony Lynn, their new head coach, is going to change this culture. But the Chargers, to me, are, are the ultimate tease. They're going to give away games they have no business losing three or four times a year. They're going to play well in games you don't think they're going to win and 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 fall close or fall short of victory. I, I can't buy the Chargers. I'm going to have to see it. I know people think they're so stacked defensively, but I'm going to have to see that offense uh, match points with the likes of uh, Oakland and Kansas City. If there were a category for uh, also Rans or good job, good effort, right? Uh, I would I would stack the Chargers perhaps next to the Bengals where I have them in the, in the uh, adulated also Rans. But uh, you listen, good receivers. Philip Rivers is definitely a longtime QB one. I think Melvin Gordon is primed for a uh, huge season. I, I like Melvin. They got Gordon. good corners. Joey Bosa obviously is about to take the next step forward into JJ Wattdom this year. I think he's going to become an absolute defensive star. But I said that. Yeah. No, I didn't. Nice try. Um, I was paying attention. I didn't bank. I didn't bank you right there. Okay. So let's let's wrap up the AFC. Okay. I have uh, in the first round. I have Tennessee, the three seed, defeating Baltimore. Okay. I have Pittsburgh, the four seed, defeating Kansas City. So a little bit of an upset. Well, not really. I guess four beats five. I still think of Kansas City as a, a team that a lot of people like. Divisional mm-hmm. round. I have New England beating the Steelers. Stop mm-hmm. me if you've heard this before. And I have Oakland, the two seed, defeating the Titans. And that leaves me with a New England-Oakland AFC championship game. I'm going with the Pats in that one. There we go, Don. That's I have the same AFC championship game. I have the three seed Raiders defeating the six seed Chiefs in on Wild Card Weekend. I have the Titans as five seed coming in to Houston and defeating them in the wild card round. Of course you do. No one Houston doesn't win in the postseason. You no, know they don't. The, 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 some of the best first round outs. And then they don't have Matt Schaub anymore to go in the divisional round and throw three picks in Foxborough. Uh, Patriots over the Titans in the divisional round. Raiders over the Steelers. And then Patriots over Raiders, sending the Patriots to Minneapolis to play in the U.S. Bank Spaceship Stadium. Super Bowl 52. All right, to the NFC East we go. The National uh, Football Conference. I want it on the record. I think I've said it before. I did not have the Cowboys dropping off the map, but I had them sliding back to 9-7 and seven range this year. I am not putting them in the playoffs. I'm going with the New York Giants. I really think that is a team poised to... I just popped my pee, but they're poised to play better defense, and I, I like how that defense is coming together, and also to, to score with almost anyone with that passing game. New York Giants to win the NFC East. Nobody makes the playoffs other than them. Quick question about the Cowboys. Is your Dallas regression just based off of no. some of the analytics of, like, well, they had so many X number of games oh. last year, they surprised people in, and there a little bit, yes. a couple of games that went three points in their favor are going to go four points against them this year, or... Is it based around the fact that the two-headed hydra of uh, Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden cannot replicate what Zeke gave you last year? It is, it's more that I just feel like there was a natural overachievement factor built into their season last year. Fair enough. I think they won some games out of surprise factor, people not knowing what to do with uh, the two-headed monster of Prescott and Elliott. Uh, I don't think there'll be those same benefits 
to their their lack of experience this year. So to me, Dallas is, is going to be the marked team, and everyone's going to give them their A game. They're not going to fall off the map, but I don't have them making the playoffs. I have them missing out by one game, and I'm going to go with the Giants. Me too. I'm going to go with the Giants atop the division, but I do have a second NFC East team making the playoffs. Let me hear it. And sorry, you're not going to like this, Washington. I got the Eagles. Wow. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Or I should say I-G-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You're, you're having Carson Wentz to the playoff? I, got, I like Carson Wentz. I know they don't have much of a running back. If it's by committee, that's a committee that should be replaced. But they added some wide receiver help for him. They got a good tight end. I think I like the steps that he took last year. Peterson whispers to him effectively enough. Hopefully he stepped out of Andy Reid's dismal clock management shadow. I, I got to see more from Doug Peterson before they I go there. They got a good there. defense. Yeah, they do have a good I like Jim Schwartz as coordinator. I could be wrong about the Eagles. I kind of like your, uh, your your thinking, but I'm not ready to put the Eagles. I think they'll be 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, and that's not going to be enough. They're a house money team this year. They have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Ne- NFC North, we can do this quickly. I believe the Packers yep. are going to get a one or a two seed. I'm going to give them my one seed. Uh, I think they're going to win 12. Um, I really think the Vikings are going to bounce back from that dismal second half of the season where they went 3-8 and eight, uh, in their last 11 after the 5-0 and oh start. But I don't think they're going to make it either. I've got them falling short at 9-7. Uh, and seven. That's, that's their ceiling. So that's the only playoff team out of the NFC North for me, Green Bay. Who you got? I'll keep it nice and simple. Cut and paste. Adam. I had 12 win Packers, 9-7. and seven. I had seen uh, the Bears are now, I think, firmly entrenched behind the Jets. They're going to be the Jets of the NFC, and I know I, I'm so sorry, Chicago. Yeah, and, and Jim Caldwell, thank you for your service. Uh, <laughs> NFC South. <laughs> NFC South. $27 million a year. This, to me, is the most interesting division of all. I went Atlanta because the combination of how much offense and, I believe, an improved defense, they're, going to, they're, going to, they're not going to have the season they had last year. But they start with a pretty easy schedule. Five and zero is definitely within reach uh, before they head into Foxborough for that re- Super Bowl rematch, that psychic event that they're going to be so overhyped for that they'll probably, I don't know, blow a twenty-eight to three lead in the third quarter or something Ooh, like take. that. So I'm going to go with Atlanta, but this division is is really interesting. I've got Carolina as my big bounce back team. I think they're going to come back, make the playoffs as the top wild card and then Tampa Bay is going to win in week 17 to squeak into that second wild card oh that'll be the new Dallas versus because you know the Giants and Dallas always seem to play week 17 and it's always the first playoff game it's always a play-in game I would love if that switched divisions for a change right I wish it was like Tampa versus Carolina I I, I don't have week 17 in front of me but I would love to see the week 17 play-in game come from somewhere else I want Tampa to be the team that matches ten. I want Tampa to be the Tennessee of the NFC because they've got Peter King's, but they've got all the buzz, the hard knocks. We've talked about them. I'm not convinced. I think they're just going to be a little too mistake prone, a little too young. But good things to come from them in the future. I get Atlanta winning as the three seed. I think people are also sleeping just a little bit, little bit, on the Falcons defense because it was pretty banged up heading into the Super Bowl. Played great for three quarters. Get a little more conditioning out of him. You still got Grady Jarrett. They added Dontari Poe, so they added they put a run stopper right straight up the middle of that defense. Decent secondary. I think they'll be okay. And I got Carolina as a wild card. Okay. I am all in on that offense. You okay. get Curtis Samuel healthy. He was electric at Ohio State. You get my pick for 
offensive rookie of the year in the NFC. And I'm, so I'll, I'll reveal that card gladly. I've Mine a, too. I've got a massive McCaffrey man crush. I think he's going to be tremendous. The fact that he's got his own separate playbook only adds to my excitement. I love the separate notebook. That's my favorite sequel that's never been made. I think they're going to be a lot of fun on offense, and they got a decent defense too. As long as Keekley and Davis stay healthy. I agree, I agree. I like all that. I think Carolina's a bounce-back team. NFC West, um, this wasn't tough for me. I thought Seattle, to me, Seattle is really in a good spot. I love the Sheldon Richardson late in the uh, preseason acquisition. When they were dominant, it started with their D-line. I know their secondary, Legion of Boom, got all the, the credit, all the glory. Legion of Boom does what it does in part because that D-line was dominant, and I think they're building something similar this year. Averill, Bennett, Richardson, uh, That'll you, play. you better be on a three- or five-step drop because if you go seven, they're coming to get you. That'll play. So I've got Seattle winning. Arizona is a team I really I admit that I could be uh, underselling, but I can't get my head wrapped around the idea that Carson Palmer – is going to play like it's 2015 or even a facsimile of that again. I don't think they have enough. I think Arizona um, is going to fall short, and and people are going to wonder how they how they let a good situation turn into one playoff berth in three years. I will say it this way to for ease of comprehension: the Cardinals will be the Chargers of the NFC West. That's the perfect comp. Okay. Got another quarterback who's capable of winning a lot for you, but he's going to throw a couple of those interceptions that lose it for you. They got the best offensive player in football in David Johnson, but that's got nine and seven and also ran written all over it. And I think they just missed the playoffs. Okay. So the NFC playoffs for me, I've got the three seated giants defeating the visiting six seated bucks. And then I've got Carolina going into Atlanta and pulling a slight upset against a division rival that they know well in the new stadium, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, I've got Carolina beating Atlanta in the first round, setting up a divisional round of Green Bay, the one seed, defeating number 5 Carolina. Seattle, the two seed, defeating the Giants, who are third. And then I've got an NFC Championship, a game we've seen not too long ago, Seattle against Green Bay in Green Bay this time. I've got the Seahawks winning. Rematch of week one, too. Correct. That's wow. Yes. Okay. I got the Falcons over the Eagles in round one, and I've got the Panthers coming into MetLife Shared Football Stadium, and I've got the Panthers defeating a vintage 2009 Eli Manning windy interception-esque performance. So the Panthers take out the Giants in early January. Next week, I've got the Seahawks over the Panthers, which is a familiar playoff game of recent year. Right. And then I've got the Packers over the Falcons getting revenge for the time Mike Vick came in and ran all over the Packers years ago. Well, not to mention last year's NFC title game. Oh, jeepers, creepers. They were down 30 to nothing, as I recall. Completely forgot. I guess I got Super Bowl 51 and the way that game ended, which I heard was good. I said that. Uh, And then finally in the (laughs) NFC Championship. I said that. (laughs) I've got Packers over Seahawks in Seattle. Okay. I got the Packers gutting out the win, the fail Mary reversal. And then in Super Bowl 52. I've got Seattle defeating New England in a karmic payback of sorts from the 2014 season. How could you? This time they run the ball. Ah, with who? With who? With C.J. Procise? Thomas Rawls, maybe? Please. How about, oh, I got it, Eddie Let's Lacy. Let's get jacked up for this one, man. Right. A slim down Eddie Lacy sure. from, from the one. Mm-hmm. This time, I'm going Seattle. 
because uh, I knew the ghost of beast mode comes through the spirit of beast mode through Eddie Lacy. Exactly. I have uh, Patriots over Packers in a high score in Minnesota. I think either game we would be very fortunate to get because we've been waiting for that Brady Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl for how long now? About eight years. Yep. And if we got a rematch between Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, I mean, think of the epic games that they've played mm. in recent years. So Been either great. way, that'd be good. All right, quickly, the individual awards. I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers for my MVP. I really thought about Russell Wilson, but I can't quite pull the trigger. MVPs never end up in the Super Bowl, so I went Aaron Rodgers on that logic. And w- with that said, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. Okay. All right. So there, yep. your logic holds as just much, like mine. As easy as it would be for somebody, a Pats fan like me, to say, oh, duh, Brady. No, right. I, Russell Wilson is going to have to do the most. Right. And my offensive player of the year, Aaron Rodgers, once again, yours, Russell Wilson? Offense, David Johnson. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like voting. I'm one of the voters for the AP Awards. I like voting for a separate offensive player of the year, rewarding somebody who had monster stats. Maybe their team didn't win. He's the most... That man is the total yeah. offense player in the NFL by far. Yep. Okay, defensive player of the year, I'm going Joey Bosa, the the Chargers defensive end and sack machine. Who you got? Return of the Mac, baby. Yeah? Khalil, Khalil Mack leading at a slightly but necessarily enough improved Raiders defense. I think that guy can do everything. You know Mack won the defensive player last year by one vote over Von Miller. Yep. Uh, it'd be fitting if Miller got him this year by a single vote. But There I'm was going tape Bosa. on Miller, but I think it disappeared. I said that. All right, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Christian McCaffrey, both of us, let's move on, correct? Mm-hmm. With Dalvin Cook nipping at his, he- nipping at his no, heels. No, I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's McCaffrey no. all the way. Yeah. Defensive Rookie of the Year, I I kind of went chalk. I went Miles Garrett. I think I saw enough in the preseason to believe that he's going to get to the quarterback. To me, Defensive Rookie of the Year usually has the sack numbers, not the tackle numbers. I'll go T.J. Watt. Okay. I like the, I he's like, a sack guy, too, though. Yep. I like he's got the name. There's the marquee value there, and I like what I saw in the. I mean, everyone likes what they saw in the preseason. But I think as this Pittsburgh Steelers defense evolves, the way that they have him lining up in for Harrison, I think they'll bring Harrison in on occasion, which will keep T.J. Watt fresh and prevent him from hitting the rookie ceiling. That alone, I think, could be the difference maker. I thought about Reuben Foster, the linebacker in San Francisco. Um, but I think he's going to have more tackles, and, and that usually does not get the vote. Comeback of the year, this was easy. I know everybody's going to give it to J.J. I'm giving it to Marshawn Lynch. I'm giving it to Beast Mode. I think he's going to be the difference maker in Oakland. J.J. Watt has already won it. Is that right? Technically? I, emo- emotionally, he's already won it. He's, so over, 20, he's over $20 million It's in, his to lose. In hurricane fundraising, so you got to give him some sort of award this year. For shame, that. shame on you for not even – you could have donated that. At least I did on. donate to it. Uh, Coach of the Year. I'm going to let you go first. Coach of the year? Yeah. Who you got? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. Wow. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really, oh, you know what? In a shocking turn of events, it goes to Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy? Because he did our podcast? Yeah. That's what I figured. Mostly just, I'm throwing a What about Dan Quinn? No, he did pod. our podcast too. So you gave Mike McCarthy the nod? Yeah, and I, not? I can't. I'm okay. Just, I, I can't. I'm not going to give it to Mike Tomlin. I'm, not, I'm just never in the Tomlin no. camp. Belichick's too easy. I, I, I went. Mean, I went. Carroll? Pete, I went. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Look, it's not like they've you know haven't been a good team, but I think they're going to return a little bit to their thirteen and fourteen mojo, and I think a lot of people are going to say Pete Carroll has this one last window uh, of opportunity, and he's you know, he's got the team to win with. Uh, I rescind. I'm going to use my mulligan since I know okay. you're, you're golfer friendly. I'm going to go with Jack Del Rio. Okay. Because he's going to get them to the AFC Championship because he didn't deserve. 
the the finale that his team basically had to surrender to last year. But you understand he went 12 and 4 and didn't win last year. They're not going to go 12 and 4 again. That's my problem with Jack Del Rio. Yeah, but with Connor Cook. I mean, well, it's they not went, his fault. Yeah. I don't mean to go all goodwill hunting, yeah. but it's it's not your fault, Jack. <laughs> I need a hug. Um I would say this, Connor Cook didn't really have to play to the playoff game because Carr got hurt, I think, week 16, so maybe one week. But anyway, I like Del Rio. I think last year was his window for Coach of the Year when you take that step from 7-9 and nine to 12-4. and four. So from 12-4 and four to whatever is probably not going to get the vote. There, there you have it. That's a pretty good... Uh, that's pretty good wow. consensus between yeah. us. I mean, I would say so. We have, so. we have some differences. I, I do think everybody is lining up Behind Seattle, Green Bay, and New England to some degree. Who's the other? We, we, there's got to be another yeah. AFC team. Is yeah, it the Raiders or Pittsburgh? I think it's the Raiders. I it's but good. I understand when you look at that defense, it mm. does not inspire confidence. They better win some shootouts this year. If Pittsburgh gets there, we're switching from zone to man defense together. Right. If Artie Burns is okay, and now that they added Joe Hayden, if Joe there's Hayden. one year left, if, if the Joe Hayden juvenation machine, if, if his AFC North realignment – inspires a decent season out of him Pittsburgh could be formidable with TJ Watt I, I like their line they got Shazier and the linebackers that could be all right I like the Hayden pickup uh I'm gonna dub him right now secret Hayden man it's kind of a secret agent man but I think he does play good man coverage I think that was a smart move for Pittsburgh trying uh to slay the giant in New England big time yep okay that's another cover two podcast Nick, why don't you shill whatever you've got coming up, and then I'll do it. Uh, you can listen to me every day, uh, 107.3 WAAF-FM and WAF.com as part of the Maddie and Nick Show, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, check out on Facebook, uh, my weekly Patriots-based Facebook live show, Pat Show, and tonight, Wednesday, September 6th, at 10 p.m. on the NFL Network, yours truly will be one of the talking heads anchoring Top 10 Tom Brady games. Can't wait for that. It's Can't be fun. Wait that was for a that. fun taping. Done a lot of NFL films taping, and uh, they find, somehow find the nuggets every time. All right, for Don Banks, uh, check out my NFL predictions column on Patriots.com. I'll be at the opener Thursday night writing from that as well. And you have listened to yet another of Cover 2 podcast uh, for the week. Finally, week one, we will be with you again next week. Take care. And yes, I said that. Security blanket, in other words. Yeah, I said that. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.